Bonjour rugby friends and welcome to a new edition of the French Rugby Collection with moi, Véronique Gladieu and Bill Hooper. Bill, joyeux anniversaire. Thank you very much. Yes, for our listeners, it was Bill's birthday yesterday on the 11th of November. I had a, a lovely day watching rugby. What could be better? Exactly, exactly. And now talking with me even better, you know, the icing on the cake. So let's oh, talk about uh, the RWC3. So we took a long break, same time as Fabien Gatier and, and his players. On the 15th of October, unfortunately, France lost by one single point against yes. South Africa. And obviously, oh. you know, the French team as well as the staff, the coach, the crowd, you know, were all... Well, yes, it, it was a huge disappointment, wasn't it? Expectations were so high for France to go all the way in this tournament. And, and sadly, it, it didn't happen. To, uh, and to lose by one point to, to South Africa in a titanic game, it, it certainly left a mark on not only the players and the staff, but I think the whole of France. There was great disappointment throughout the whole country. And on Wednesday this week, Fabien Gatier held a, f a press conference in which he, he opened up himself. It was still very raw. I think we could feel his, his emotion. He went through that, obviously, when he was a player. But there was so much expectation. He shared basically his analysis, his views and his pain. Bill, do you agree? Yeah. Yes, I mean, you can tell it, it's still very, very raw, as you said. It's, it's going to take time to, to assimilate the loss. You know, he went through a similar experience, as you said. I think, I think the previous week, Philippe, Philippe Saint-André had also spoken about the pain of that, that defeat against the Springboks in Durban in the semi-final, in the pouring rain and the, the tries that France had disallowed. It was it's very, very raw. And I suppose there are similarities with the, the defeat again in the quarterfinal. Again, there were some small small margins. I always say a game like that turns on small margins, and they certainly were throughout that game. You can look back and look at things like the charge down conversion by Cheslin Kobe on uh, Thomas Ramos. You know, small things like that turn a game, and that was certainly the case that night. So, refing decisions were not spoken as such. But having said that, he did say he spent some time with Jérôme Garcès, who is, you see, you know, the, the former international referee and who now works for Les Bleus as part of the coaching staff. And they sent nine videos to Joel Judge, who is the top referee's boss, who works for the, uh, for the RWC, and they were questioning nine decisions that were taken during that, that, during that game. And obviously, Ben O'Keefe was uh, copied in as well. So wait, let's wait and see on the outcome. And, but having said that, you know, he, he did analyze the game and he did say that looking at the stats, they should have scored about 37 points. So they were a few points short there. So, you know, uh, again, you know, this is, this is, this is sport, you know, anything can happen and on, on the night. And like you said, you know, it's, you, we have, all our players have to, they had to go through that time of grieving. 
but I have to accept and, and move on from there, you know. Um, the average age was 27 years old, and in four years' time, they will wow. yeah, be about 31 years old. So they would, have, they would have acquired more experience by that time, probably played over 25 extra games, and now they're focusing on the Six Nations. Well, yes, that's going to come around very quick now when you think about it. February is not far away, and their opening game is, I believe, against um, Ireland. Yes. Uh, And that's going to be a huge game in the context of the Six Nations next year. But, yeah, unfortunately, at some point, France have got to draw a line under this and and move on. If they dwell on it too much, it it could end up impacting on their Six Nations performance um, uh, in, in the next tournament. So, need to move on, learn from it, certainly, move on, build again, and uh, let's see what happens in the next four years. And uh, let's not forget, you know, not only the French, but also the Irish. The men in green went through the same pain uh, the, the day before as well, because everybody was hoping for a final between France and, and Ireland. It didn't happen. So they are reeling with the pain and you know it was the last game for Jonathan Sexton and and many others you know from the Irish team so it's it's a bit sad I think that's just have to move on like you said you know they had time to reflect it will always be there and you you mentioned you know the the interview that Philippe Saint-André who was actually on the French Connection podcast uh, two years ago, who is still reading from the defeat in 1995 when they played against South Africa. And it said it was extremely saddening because for most of them, the likes of Sela, himself, all the key players, it was their last game. You know, they, they retired afterwards. But, but the good mm-hmm. thing, hey, Monsieur Antoine Dupont and Tamak and Jalibert and all the rest, you know, they will still be young to play um, in four years' time in Australia. So, payback time. And on the um, Six of Nations, yes, the first game is going to start on the 2nd February and it's going to be uh, amazing. It's going to be final. That should have happened. <laughs> exactly. And, of course, it's, uh, it's going to be played in Marseille. So, that's going to, it's going to, the atmosphere is going to be absolutely out of this world. Amazing. I forgot about that. Yes, of course, it's in Marseille. I need to book my ticket soon. We took some time off, Bill. So it's round six. Yes, it's it's been it's hard to believe that the, the top fourteen was going on whilst all the World Cup action was in, it was taking place. But it's been interesting, as you would expect, with so many players away from their clubs. It, the actual top fourteen table looks a little bit unfamiliar at the moment. With Stade Francais are leading the way, closely followed by. Paul and Castro Olympique are up there as well. So a little bit different. There's some of the more familiar sides like La Rochelle and Toulon, Toulouse, Toulouse even in the bottom half of the table. But uh, we'll have to wait and see now with the internationals coming back from their break to see if normal service is resumed. Kind of. So the round six started with a game between Toulouse against Perpignan yesterday. And you had Bay, Flamand, Cros, Cholonge, Dumont and Dupont and Ramos who came back 
But it was quite laborious, you know. The I mean, kudos to to Perpignan because they really ramped up in the in the second half towards the second half. The score was forty three thirty four, but no no attacking bonus for Toulouse. Yeah, but a win is a win, and they'll take that, and move on to the next game. I'm sure. Exactly, and La Rochelle played last night against against ba- Ronan Ogara this time round. You know he. Ask all his international to to play. So we had the likes of um, Soteni, Danti, Hastoy, Botia, Boudéon, Bourgari, Sclavi, Antonio. I mean the international squad. Tough game. Score was eighteen to fifteen. No tries. Would you believe that? Uh, I mean the weather condition was appalling. It was raining hard as well. But they were due to start uh, next week, but Ronan Ogara decided to to uh, make them play. We'll see. Next week, they're playing against Bordeaux, so that should be interesting. Yeah, that's always interesting, the, the West Coast derby with, uh, with Bordeaux. But I think the yeah, La Rochelle will be, they'll be pleased to have got a win. They've struggled this season with their internationals away and not, not forgetting Aldrich is... Still absent. He's taking a little bit of time off to uh, just to recover. I think not just physically but mentally from the strain of the World Cup. I think so. I think so as well. Uh, very quickly, some other games that took place yesterday: Castres against Oyonna. Uh, Castres um, won uh, very healthily with a score of thirty-nine to eleven. Five tries, you know, were scored. They got the attacking bonus. Um, Lyon against Stade Français. So Stade Français is, you just uh, alluded earlier, Stade Français is the top of the league and the, the score was 32 to 36. And it's the first loss for Lyon. Yeah, it's a good win for Stade Français, especially away from home. So they'll be very pleased with that. And it just uh, keeps them at the top of the table, ticking over nicely. Yes, and at five o'clock yesterday in French time as well, you had Montpellier against Clermont, and Montpellier is having a quite a tough time at the beginning of the season with unfortunately another loss. So I would then make six loss, six consecutive loss. It was very small. I mean, it was 17 to 20. So I think they need to regroup and look at what can be improved. Let's not forget that Richard Cockrell has joined the coaching team. So there's been a few changes in the management staff, so it probably had an impact. And some of the players, you know, moved away, like a Mercer and so on. Yeah, they've lost a few players. You said a new setup at Montpellier, obviously taking time to bed in. Clermont, they went through a similar process last season, really, didn't they? Struggled a bit, but now they seem to have got a more settled side under... Christophe Urios, and they, they're, they're certainly going very well indeed in the top 14. So I think they'll be a team to watch this season. Clermont, do you think so? Yeah, I think so. I think they've got some they've got some players there that can certainly do some damage. I'm a great fan of Penno when he comes back. He's going to be great. He's really hot at the moment, so let's see. I think Penno now plays for Bordeaux. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
that's okay, don't bad. worry. <laughs> yes, and he was extremely sad to leave to leave Clermont because he was such a pivotal player, you know, for them. Yeah. Yes, and it's, it's it's good transition anyway because I was just referring to the next game for Po against Bordeaux. Po won a twenty-two eleven. Mathieu Jalibert was back as well, but I think from Bordeaux, they suffered from a lack of discipline. But uh, Po is doing really, really well. But let's not forget that Po didn't have any international playing for uh, the World Cup. It's, it's good to see them at the top. It's refreshing. Well, it is. It's always nice to see another side that's doing well. And Po are a team with a great tradition in French rugby. So nice to see them at the top. Let's see how, how long they can stay there. It'll be interesting. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And Bill, tonight, another game that will be cool. Yep, it's, it's Toulon against Racing. Down at Stade Mayol, so that's going to be a, another exciting game down there. Let's see how that one pans out. I'm not too sure if Colisi is going to make his debut tonight, whether they're going to bring him straight in or they're going to wait a while. I haven't seen the team selection for tonight, but it's going to, it's going to be interesting to now he's arrived back in, in Paris and to start his new club career. He's going to play on the 26th of November against La Rochelle. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But then, but from the Toulon side, no Olivon, no Villiers, that's it on holiday. So that could be interesting as well. <clears throat> from an English side, Stuart Lancaster, as you may remember, has joined the coaching staff. Yes. And it'll be interesting to see what he brings to, uh, to a side. Um, Obviously, vastly experienced, and he's got a, a great style of of, rug, of coaching. So, yeah, I think uh, he could do very well there. So, I just hope it all blends in well. As we'll have in, to wait and see. Yeah, as you know, the big wish of the uh, owner Racing uh, ninety two is to lift one cup. You know, it's it's been it's been one of the main objective. You know, they were so close uh, during the European Cup. So. Having Kalisi, who got extremely successful in winning two World Cups alongside Mako, yeah. might bring his, his good luck with him. That would be nice. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see how he fits in. I mean, he's vastly experienced, so a player of that stature should should really fit into the setup really well. And he's going to bring an awful lot to the Racing side, I think. Yes, absolutely. So what's the, the ranking now, bearing in mind there's still a game that well, needs to be played? I think at the moment, Stade, Stade Francais are leading the way, aren't they? With Poe on their, hot on their heels. I mean, obviously Racing are playing later on today, so they could, they could well go back to the top if they get a win at Toulon. We'll have to wait and see. And then the teams, that is Castro, Clermont, they're all coming up behind to lose. And then you're slipping into the sort of bottom half of the table, aren't you? Um, Bordeaux, Bergle, Lyon, Toulon, Bayonne, Oyonna, and then the bottom three, La Rochelle, have probably just moved up a bit, a couple of places, I think, uh, from last week. But down near the bottom, you've got Montpellier and, and Perpignan. Mm. Interesting, interesting ranking. To be continued. Yes, it's going to be interesting to see if Perpignan can get out of that bottom place. Uh, 
it's going to be tough. They've had a couple of seasons where they sort of finished the second from bottom and survived the, the barrage, if you like, with the second team that's come through the playoffs in Pro Pro J Deux. So mm-hmm. this might be the this might be the season when they finally do the actual automatic drop. We'll have to wait and see. We'll see. about Sia Colisi, who has joined Racing 92. He held a press conference uh, this week in, in, in Paris. So, yeah, I, I think it's a positive move for Racing. So another great signing, you know, they're very famous to have had some great signing like Carter a few years ago, and now we got Colisi. It's, it really is a top draw signing. I mean, you, he's coming into the capital, Paris, all the stars at Racing. It's going to be a I'm sure he'll, he'll enjoy his time there playing uh, at La, La Défense. It's going to be fantastic. Um, I'm, and I know he'll, he'll, he'll do very well, and he'll soon become a, a, a crowd favourite. I've no doubt at all. Definitely. On the obituary side, unfortunately, we've had some sad news this week with the, 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 the passing of Le Grand Esteve. Yes, Alain. Alain Steve, yes. The, the giant of Bézier. Yes. What a player in the 1970s. Absolutely huge. A man who, who measured over two metres. He was probably the tallest player in France uh, at his, in his prime, but an intimidator um, with his beard. Really, really menacing. Dark, a master of a dark art, shall we say. <laughs> Tell me why. You got a few stories, have you? Well, I have a story. I think I heard a story that uh, Bobby Windsor, the, the Welsh hooker, uh, said, recounted once. And there was a scrum. I think the game must have been being played in Paris at the Parc des Princes. You could hear this this voice saying "Bobby, Bobby," and then the next thing he knew, there was this huge fist that came flying in from the second row landed square on his jaw and uh, that was uh, the, the welcome from Alain Estef ah. <laughs> to, to, to Bobby Windsor in Paris. So, <laughs> and I think uh, that, that, that was the, the nature of the game in those days, especially when you have people like Gerard Cholet playing and players of that ilk. It was very, very physical. It used to be, and from all sides, all things that were playing were extremely physical. Not only the French, but the Irish, the French. Oh, it was a different all... world, and there were no cameras at that stage. Either, there there so. were no cameras, no, and the referee <laughs> had to have eyes in the back of his head. And, um, <laughs> it was, a lot went on, um, yes. a lot went on, and most of it was unseen, but yes. that was the nature of the game in those days, but... At the end of the day, they all went out and had a good time in Paris and enjoyed themselves and the champagne flowed. Exactly, because he was asked once, so what do you like the most about um, rugby? And he said, oh, la troisième mi-temps, which is, as we know, you know what happens when the game is finishing. All the camaraderie, the partying, the drinking, part of the rugby social life, you know, everybody's... Uh, happen to be good friends afterwards, usually. Yeah, you're at war for 80 minutes, but afterwards you're you're out partying, enjoying yourselves and having fun, and it's great. And that's how the game game should be. Yes. Another sad note as well, another rugby player, you know, went to join the rugby 
galaxies. Carambero. Yes. E. Combarabero. Yes. And of course, uh, his, his brother was Lillian. Yes. Uh, of course, both, both played for France when they won the Grand Slam first time round. Uh, a great player. Uh, and of course, they, I think he played for, he played for La Voult. I can't remember now. I think he might have played for La Voult when they won the championship in 1970. So. Right. Great, a great player, uh, and a player who was certainly much admired in France, and of course part of the great Combrabero dynasty of players that played for, for France over the years. So, somebody, I think you you had a story that yes, Denis Charvet. Yes, if I'm not wrong, I think I would like to review my notes. When I interviewed Denis Charvet. Last year, he mentioned to me that Carambero was one of his heroes. So I will be double-checking, but, you know, it was a great, great prayer in, in any case. Okay, let's finish on a more positive note. Emmanuel, Emmanuel Meafou, finally, is French. You may have remembered him, but when he, once I think he asked Emmanuel Macron, <laughs> when he was shaking hands when Toulouse was playing, I think, the European Cup, I forgot. When he asked, you know, whether he could speed up his French nationality. And now, after the World Cup, it is finally been accepted as, a, as French. Well, it's great news and very timely for the Six Nations coming up in February. Um, no, it's great. It's great to have him on board. So, yes, um, he's going to be a great asset because he's obviously a young player uh, with a great future ahead of him. And... Uh, I'm sure he's going to be part of the French team going forward and will probably be one of those that will feature in the, the Rugby World Cup for France uh, come 2027 down in Australia. Indeed. Oh, it's been lovely speaking with you and bon rugby. Thank you very much, and bon rugby to everybody as well. I hope you all enjoy this, and always remember, enjoy the game. Au revoir. La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic, les oiseaux du lac pic-pac, pic-pic, glou-glou-glou font tous les dindons, et la jolie cloche ding-ding-dong, mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum, tout avec lui dit boum, et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille. Au revoir. Au revoir, à bientôt. Ta la 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 la